Good morning, everybody. This is the Marcus Today Members Podcast on Tuesday, the 11th of July. We are waiting for the CPI number out of the US on Wednesday and having a good day today ahead of that. This is general advice only, not to be confused with advice suited to your personal financial circumstances. It almost certainly isn't. A few themes running in the market today. After the almost universal disappointment with the performance of our market yesterday, we closed down 38 points, having been up 42 points at one point. Remember, we fell 121 points on Friday. Futures yesterday were up something like 29, so we opened up 42 and then ended up down 38. The main issue yesterday was probably the inflation numbers out of China, as you've probably seen, 0% inflation in China and their PPI number, which is the factory gates inflation, actually fell, allowing commentators to talk about a deflationary risk in China. And that is seen as a poor reflection on the Chinese economy and did for our resources stocks yesterday, BHP and Rio both down over 1% yesterday, having started out going up. So at this point, day yesterday, but recovering it all today. And there's little reason it seems for our market to be quite so upbeat today. We've been marked up 74 points on the open and just sat there up 67 at the moment. And that came on the back of a meagre 210 point rise in the Dow Jones, the Nasdaq up 0.18% and the S&P 500 up 0.24%. And BHP and Rio were down in the US. So a bit of an anomalous bounce in our market today. We've just had a Consumer sentiment number, Westpac MI Consumer Sentiment Index, rose in June. Consumer sentiment has recovered the pandemic lows. Despite that, consumers are pessimistic about the economic outlook. And I don't know whether you saw the Mood of the Nation report in the Australian today. 61% of Australians think the economy will deteriorate. That's up from 51%. And half are in financial difficulties, really? And mortgage delinquency is on the rise. Don't think the consumer's doing it that well. And I'm not really sure that that consumer sentiment number can explain the bounce in our market today. We also saw the NAB business survey rose to zero in June from minus three. Hardly celebratory. Bond yields off a little bit in the US, that sort of helped. But otherwise, as you'll see in my section today, I have listed some of the headlines flying around the news wires today. And I don't want to depress you, but none of them are good. Let me give you a few of them. US corporate earnings season unlikely to fuel fresh gains in the stock market. So we've got the US results season starting on Friday. They always start with big finance. We've got the diary under our tools tab in the newsletter. But on Friday, we've got JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, Citigroup. Then next week on Tuesday, we've got Bank of America, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs on Wednesday. And then we move into big tech and big tech's vital for the market at the moment because big tech has floated the whole US market this year and remains elevated. So on Tuesday, sorry, on Thursday next week, we've got Tesla, Netflix, and then we have to wait until Monday when the big tech stocks really start reporting. Monday the 24th, so that is a week on Monday. 
We have Microsoft on the Tuesday, Alphabet, Meta, the day after Amazon. So you can see we are going to have a week of financial, big finance results, and then a week of big tech results. And if you read some of the strategists, for instance, Morgan Stanley, they are warning that earnings estimates have not been downgraded enough going into the results season. I think the average earnings is is expected to drop 4.5%. And they are talking about a high bar for earnings expectations, especially as 30% of the S&P 500 are at or close to a 52-week high. And there is another headline here, US banks to report biggest jump in loan losses since pandemic. So let's see what happens on Friday. Big finance, can it behave? And then big tech, will it be good enough to hold the share prices where they are? Other headlines, S&P 500 braces for profit warnings. Fed's QT program, which is the opposite of money printing, QT program to kick in in coming months. In other words, the opposite of money printing. If it was that positive for markets, shouldn't be good for markets. Rate fears accelerate, the endless boring debate about what rates going to do in the US. And that all depends on the CPI number on Wednesday. Eurozone sentiment weakens for a fifth consecutive month. UK bond yields spike, recession risk high. I'm going out to the UK on Sunday. Visit my brother. By all accounts, anomalously, prices are very high. The Big Mac index is completely out of whack in the UK. Cost of a Big Mac in the UK is ridiculous compared to the cost of a Big Mac in Australia. European rates are still going higher, showing no signs of peaking. US and Australia see declining consumer sentiment and worsening household budgets. And then we move on to China. China, here we go, deflationary spiral risk in China. And that's after those inflation numbers yesterday and weak PPI numbers yesterday. A reflection of the economy, not good for resources. And the pressure is on the People's Bank of China to stimulate the economy. But so far, they appear to have said that they will continue to support the property sector. But that's about it for the moment. It's not impressing anyone. The Politburo does meet later this month. There might be something out of that. But at the moment, Chinese economy seems to be heading in one direction, which is not exactly Exactly a foundation for resources optimism in Australia. So our one stock portfolio in BHP is currently in cash. Ahead of these big tech results, our Macquarie one-stock portfolio is also in cash. And after the latest wobble in the market and ahead of the CPI number and the US results season and our own results season, our ideas portfolio is also sitting in cash. So you could say we are slightly cautious. Now, there are two commentators I have read, two commentators on the US, both of whom are picking up on the same theme, the anonymous, anonymous, anomalous rise in both bond yields and equity markets at the same time. One of them writes, how long can stocks remain agnostic to higher nominal and real rates? Bond yields, of course, and equity markets are supposed to be inversely correlated. Bond yields go up, equity markets go down. And at the moment, they both point out we're seeing something similar to what we saw ahead of the 87 crash 
And as one of them says, there you go, I've dropped that bombshell. We are seeing something similar to the 87 crash, where both equities and bond yields are rising. And in 87, I can tell you my own reasons why the 87 crash happened. But one of the catalysts perhaps was an unnecessary central bank rate rise, which just collapsed everything all in one go. There were other reasons it happened. But the implication is that the equity market is ignoring the current rise in bond yields. And in discussion with Henry, both of us agree that it could well be that it's not the equity market going up that is wrong. It's the bond market going down that is wrong. And the bond market could be getting it wrong, fussing too much about interest rates as a number of economies look like they're going to have a brush with recession and yet rates are still going up. So the suggestion is, and I'm entirely guessing, I think it's probably a valueless debate, but I will say it anyway, there is just a chance that we get a surprisingly good CPI number in the US on Wednesday night, which is not a reflection of clouds having parted. It is a reflection of the clouds gathering on recession. But if we do get a low number on Wednesday, doubtless we will see a bounce in the markets and it will suggest that the bond market is getting it wrong, not the equity market. Anyway, we wait for that CPI number. One of these commentators writes, the very significant rise in bond yields will have a serious impact on economic activity and equity markets. Country after country and region after region is falling into recession as the central banks grit their teeth and grind their economies into submission. I urge you to be very cautious here. I know we are not allowed to talk about 1987, but all the recent months remind me of that period. Just a word on bears. If you want clicks and eyeballs in the stock market space, there are only three words you need to know. Buffett, Warren and crash. And some commentators live permanently in the doom and gloom fringe. There is less competition for eyeballs out there. And when finally, after five years of a solid bull market, there is a correction. They can come alive with declarations of I told you so. It's a game of selling subscriptions, not getting it right. And you sell more subscriptions when you get more eyeballs, when you talk about doom and gloom and crashes, whatever. Wednesday night, we wait to see if the bond market or the equity market is wrong. I do wonder whether all this, in fact, I know that all this is just noise and endless wall of worry that we debate. As Henry says, it's always noisy. Best thing to do is just get on with picking some good stocks. The strategy portfolio at the moment, as you hopefully know, is in 40% cash. We're still holding the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 ETFs. Haven't sold those. Both of those are remarkably resilient. As one F1 driver described the new McLaren on hard tyres at the weekend, impressive, impressive is the resilience of the NASDAQ and the S&P 500. As you'll see in the technical section today, there are some meagre early sell signals on the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, and some of the tech-based ETFs, the robotics, the FANG. But if you actually have a look, all that's happening is they are traveling along the overbought line and they could stay there for some while. So nothing too convincing on the technical front. We'll need a really bad day for us to be thinking about selling the NASDAQ or the S&P 500. I think you'd describe it as the upside momentum has disappeared, but it hasn't been replaced with downside momentum yet. So still in 40% cash in the strategy portfolio and still holding the NASDAQ. 
and the S&P 500. One stock portfolios, as I said, in cash ideas portfolio in cash. Glad I didn't jump into SNAS or BBUS, maybe later. Other things today, I've written a stock take on AP Eagers. In fact, it's not called AP Eagers. It's now called Eagers Automotive. $3.66 billion company. 12.8 times, 6% yield. Return on equity over 20%. And all the structural issues to the automotive market from COVID are now easing up. So all these automotive stocks seem to be in a bit of a sweet spot. It's a cyclical industry, so it's not set and forget. But for the moment, I certainly wouldn't be selling the automotive sector. And in a stock like Eagers Automotive, big stock, performing well, got a yield, can't tell you to sell it. And I might even be taking a bit of a bet that results are going to be okay. And you'll pick up a decent dividend. So have a read of that stock take today. I have also written an article on the bank sector. I've slotted it into the stock take section, but it's about why the banks are possibly the best income stocks in the world. They have a monopoly or oligopoly. And amazingly, if you take their turnover, so between them, they turn over just over $90 billion. And if you look at the percentage of turnover each one gets, the CBA gets about 30%, 31%, something like that. And then the other three have almost exactly the same turnover. Of that 90 billion, NAB, Westpac and ANZ all turn over almost exactly $20 billion, 23%, 23%, 23%. In other words, even though it's not a monopoly, we all know there couldn't possibly be a cartel, could there? They have managed to carve it up almost exactly between themselves, except for the CBA that has a slightly bigger turnover than the other three. But these are remarkable businesses. And as long as you can avoid the occasional wobble, such as the global financial crisis, just a small one, and the banking inquiry, as long as you're awake to the occasional wobbles, which quite honestly do little more than provide you with a fabulous buying opportunity, as long as you can be on top of those, and if you read the newsletter, you will be, as long as you can be on top of those, they are fabulous stocks for people looking for income. Anyway, have a read of the article, some interesting numbers in there. It also highlights stocks like Woolworths, Coles, Telstra as incumbent monopolists in Australia, oligopolists in Australia that make fabulous investments just as long as you're not looking for high growth. They are all low volatility income stocks. Have a read. Henry today talking about Latin resources once again, his Magellan punt, which is now up 30%, ESG, Delta Lithium, and VIT a member's pick. He also has a fabulous On the Couch with Dr. Kingsley Jones from Jevons Global. Talks about critical minerals. It's a really good one. Fascinating stuff. And he'll be on Ausbiz tomorrow with Andrew Wheland again, the ETF whisperer. Look out for that. That's about that. A few stories today. Bell Financial Group's up 8%. I reckon I could make a living out of trading Bell Financial Group because I'm pretty much in tune with what the broking world is doing. 
Anyway, they're up 8%. Expect a 21% increase in profits in 2023. Broking is a very cyclical industry. This share price was $2 at the beginning of last year. Recently hit around 80 cents and is currently 99 cents on the way back. Are brokers booming at the moment? I don't think so. Anyway, up today on a bit of guidance. And talking point of the week, Patriot Battery Metals, PMT, responded to that short report. They're up 4% today. Bit of a ding-dong going on there. Macquarie doing a PR job trying to talk up PMT. Meanwhile, a shorting report pops out to shoot it down. Take your pick. Right, that's about that. Our market up 81 piling ahead. Dow futures up 11. NASDAQ futures almost flat. Gold sector up 3%. There have been a few little technical buy signals on gold. IT sector up 2.5%. Seems to be anticipating a good CPI number. MP1 up 20% sort of helps that sector. REITs up 1.7%. Must be expecting a good CPI number. And all the boring stocks, healthcare, utilities, staples, all up today, but at the bottom of the performance list. That's about that. You have a fabulous day. No excuse not to. We'll be back tomorrow.